0: and Good morning. You know, my grandmother could grow any plant or tree. As a kid, I'd go to her house and she'd have a plant in this corner and flowers in the other corner. I remember we'd go to someone's home, whether they were in our church or in our neighborhood or whatever, and she would see a plant or a tree she liked, and she would ask for a little branch of it or a little bit of the flower or something so she could figure out what it is. And next thing I know she'd be growing it, you know, in a pot or in her yard. She had a green thumb. Of course, when you ask her about her secret, she'd assure you that she had no secret. She just put them in soil and she gave them rainwater. She would always collect rainwater outside and she would pour it into the pots or she would pour it in different plants she had. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe not. I'm not really sure. There are some of you in this room who you are the same. You, you can look at a plant and it grows. There are a few others, however, you couldn't grow a cactus in the desert, okay? Anybody like that in here? That's pretty much me. The, o- the older I get, uh, the more I'm convinced that maybe my grandmother was right. Maybe growing a tree or a plant is not complicated. You just give it good soil and water and leave it alone. I don't know. My problem, and the problem with many of you who can't grow plants, is either we forget to water them and they die a horrible thirst, you know, or... We, we, we won't leave them alone, we're impatient, so we, we water them too much or we give them too many growth boosters and they die of gluttony. I don't know, I've killed many plants in my life. Some of us just make growing plants, growing trees way too complicated. I was thinking about that this week because I wanted to talk to you about spiritual growth and I thought, is there any kind of correlation? I think there is because we often make spiritual growth way too complicated. I heard about spiritual growth my entire life. I grew up in church. I can't even remember a time when I wasn't in church. As a child, I went to, you know, children's church, VBS, every special service we had, every special singing, every time the choir sang, every time, you know, there was even special services in our area. My family would make sure we went. I never remember a time that I wasn't in church. And I've heard about spiritual growth literally my entire life. And I have followed the best of advice from all the experts. If you want to grow spiritually, do this, and I would do it. If you want to grow spiritually, do that, and I would do that. If you want to grow spiritually, stop this, and I would do my best to stop it. Read this, memorize that, repent of this. Go to this conference. No, 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 no. Go to that revival. I've done it all. And I've had periods in my life when I grew spiritually... And I've had periods of my life when I was stagnant. And you, you just got to trust me when I say this. I think I've tried about everything. Read chapters of the Bible. I mean, I would do my best to read through the New Testament, read through the Old Testament over and over again. Pray for hours, fast for days, give money, confess my sins, read classic spiritual books, journal, listen to hundreds of sermons and thousands, literally thousands of church services, go on mission trips, graduate from seminary. I've done about everything you can do to try to get my spiritual life to grow, to thrive. And some of the stuff that I've done certainly has made me better. Some of the stuff I've done has made me worse. All of it was beneficial. But several years ago, I began asking a few new questions about spiritual growth. A few years ago, I just kind of sat down and started working my way through my experience, the things that I've seen, the things that I've done, the advice I've taken, all the notes I've made, the books I've read. And I just started saying, okay, let me just kind of back away from all of this as much as I can and let me just get down to the basics. What is spiritual growth? I started asking a question like that. What is it? And I discovered a few new answers. This is one of the questions that I I had. And in general, it's, it's... it's who, when, it's, let me put it this way. Spiritual growth is when who you are on the inside, not the stuff we see on the outside, but who you are on the inside, your spirit matures, seasons, it grows. More specifically, it's when you begin to become more and more like Jesus in all areas of life. Now, that, that still remains somewhat vague. Because what does it mean to become like Jesus? That was kind of the follow-up question I had to that. I've heard that, again, all my life. You've got to become more like Jesus. In fact, our statement, our mission statement here at Forest Park is to help people follow Jesus one step at a time. But what does that look like? And we could spend all day talking about that. In fact, we could do an entire series on just what it means to be like Jesus But I did my best to kind of boil it down, concentrate it down, bring it down to its essence. And I think the best way to explain what it means to be like Jesus is when we begin to experience in an ever-increasing manner the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. So you could take out, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is, and you could insert in there if you want, Jesus is. So you literally could say, Jesus is love, He is joy, He is peace, He is patient, He is kind, He is good, He is faithful, He is gentle, He is self-controlled. So we know we are growing spiritually when we begin to experience at an ever-increasing level the fruit of of the spirit, as simple as that. Then I begin to ask another question. Well, why does spiritual growth matter? What's the big deal about spiritual growth? Why should we concentrate so much time, so much energy, doing the best we can here at Forest Park to help people follow Christ, to help them begin to experience spiritual growth in their life, to begin to experience the fruit of the spirit in an ever-increasing manner in their life? Why is that important? Let me give, give you the essence of that. It's because who you are on the inside is far more important than who you are on the outside. Here's what I've learned in 30 years of pastoring, all right? You walk down the aisle and you marry the outside of someone, but you go home and live with the inside. Most marriages do not fall apart because of the outside. They fall apart because of the inside. All the painful issues we are facing as a human race poverty, drugs, addictions, homelessness, etc. You can fill in that list. You can come up with your own list. All of them exist because spiritual growth as a whole is almost non existent in people's lives. Because where the fruit of the Spirit is, we do not find poverty, drugs, homelessness, etc. Where love and peace and joy and kindness and patience are supreme, there are no things like racism, hatred, violence, lying, addictions. So why does spiritual growth matter? Why does it matter? Because when you think about it compared to the effects of spiritual growth, does anything else matter? I mean, 90% of the problems we have on this planet would be eradicated if we as a human race were dedicated to experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. 90% of the problems we see would immediately go out the window if the vast majority of the people on this planet were committed to experiencing in an ever-increasing manner love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. Can you imagine the difference it would make in marriages? Imagine the difference it would make in local businesses. It would make in school systems, in our education, in our churches, in our communities, in our politicians, all the way down the line. So, as I began to think through this, I thought, well, my goodness, are, are healthy, life giving churches important? Yes. Because if churches are helping to teach people to follow Jesus one step at a time and begin to experience spiritual growth in their life, the fruit of the Spirit, in an ever-increasing way, are local churches that help people do that important? Yes. Are healthy, life-giving student ministries that are helping students do that important? Yes. How about children's ministries that are helping children learn the fruit of the Spirit in their own life? Yes. Are groups important? Yes. What we do here every single Sunday morning, radically important. Do you realize that a healthy, vibrant, life-giving, grace-centered, hope-filled local church has the potential of changing everything in our society for the good? So anyway, those are just, just kind of introductory comments. What is spiritual growth? Why does it matter? But here's the big question that I have, and this is where I want to concentrate my time. All of that was just kind of some thoughts I had. Here, here's the big question. How do I make spiritual growth happen? What is it? It's a fruit of the spirit in every increasing way. It's becoming more and more like Christ. Why is it important? Because it'll literally change everything. That is anything important to us in our life, it'll change it all. 90% of the problems of our world will be eradicated if we were dedicated to experiencing spiritual growth. Okay? So we know what it is generally. We know why it's important. Here's the big question. How do I make it happen? And this is probably going to surprise you. You don't. You don't make it happen. Let let me explain. Let's go back to the illustration I opened up with my grandmother growing plants and trees. You don't grow a plant. You don't grow a person. You provide the proper environment and the proper ingredients for whatever it is you want to see grow. And growth takes care of itself. Many years ago, I heard Pastor Rick Warren say that we often ask the wrong question when it comes to growth. Now, he was referring to church growth specifically, but I'm applying it to spiritual growth. He said, when it comes to growth, we ask the wrong question. We ask this question, how can I get my church to grow? He said, the better question is, what am I doing stopping my church from growing? His point was and is, since church is a living organism... That's what it is. It's made up of people. It's a living organism. It is not a business. It has certain parts of it that are business-like. There are certain things that must happen that are business-related. But the church is made up of people. It is a living organism. And if it is a living, or since it's a living organism, if we provide a healthy environment for it to grow and stay out of its way, don't do anything hindering it. It will grow naturally. And it is the same spiritually. This is what I've learned over 30 years. This is what I've learned over trying to get my own spiritual growth up and running, trying to help other people grow spiritually. I've done everything I can in people's lives. Here, do these four things. Here, Do these five things. Here, take these six steps. Here, these are ten ways you can grow. On and on. I've done everything I can in other people's lives in my own life to try to Get people to grow. And I have learned over time, you don't get people to grow. You don't make people grow. Just like you don't make a child grow. You don't make a tree grow. You provide specific, proper, and healthy environments, and you don't do anything hindering them from growing, and they will grow naturally. Take a tree. Plant it in good soil where there's access to water, sun, air and stay out of its way leave it alone and guess what happens it grows occasional pruning every now and then to kind of shape it up that's it that's all you do take a child place her in a loving family provide her food water shelter education stay out of her way she will grow occasional course corrections every now and then that's it she will grow So the big question is, what are the specific, proper, and healthy environments for spiritual growth? Because if I want to see you grow, all I need to do is place you in an environment conducive for growth and leave you alone. You grow naturally if nothing hinders you or stops you. And I've thought a lot about this question. What are the right environments? What are the proper environments? How do we just create an environment that is conducive to growth and leave people at Forest Park alone so they can grow? I've thought a lot about that, and I've done my best to reduce it to four. Four different environments that are absolutely essential for spiritual growth. Now, before I discuss them with you, I want you to know this, okay? This is not exhaustive. There are many questions needing to be asked outside the scope of this message. I will not and I cannot answer all the questions about spiritual growth. This is an introduction to the subject of spiritual growth. These, what I'm going to give you, are the essentials, the absolute non-negotiables, the must-haves of spiritual growth, okay? There are a lot of room to explore beyond what we're gonna discuss here. For instance, let's go back to the tree and the child real quick, and then I'm gonna jump into these four environments. Growth for both the tree and the child will certainly happen within the right environments, but to grow the tree to an award-winning height, to help a tree produce a record-breaking number of apples, It's going to take more than just the right environment. You're going to have to have expert pruning and fertilizing and proper nutrients at the exact time. So if you want the tree to become an incredible tree, an amazing tree, record-breaking tree, then you're probably going to need a little bit more than just the right environment to grow the little girl into an exceptional athlete. Or to be ready for college or to be a professional will require time and attention given to specific areas such as education and practice. But neither the tree nor the little girl will achieve anything without soil, water, sun, air, food, shelter. So what I want to give to you are the absolutes of spiritual growth. The basics of spiritual growth, the environments that you need to have in your life and that we want to create here at Forest Park so that you will grow naturally, and as long as we stay out of your way, you will blossom and you will mature. If you want to go on to achieve amazing things, incredible things beyond the ordinary, sure, there's going to be more education and more knowledge and more things, more pruning, more nutrients, more things that are applied to make you exceptional in certain areas, but these are the basics. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Anybody's asleep? Hit them hard. Then apologize. All right. Here are the absolutes. Must have environments. What environment must you and I dwell within to experience spiritual growth? Without these four, you cannot grow spiritually. You cannot. Number one is an environment of acceptance. Folks, you and I will only grow spiritually within an environment accepting us no matter what. The higher the level of exclusion within any environment, the lower the level of spiritual growth. I have seen it over and over and over throughout my life. When you create an environment that is exclusion-centered, only certain people can get in. We only accept certain people who meet this particular criterion. You lower the spiritual growth of the people who are in that environment. It is one of the things that hinders people from naturally growing. And when I say acceptance, I mean accepting us with our struggles, our temptations, our sins, our failures, our shortcomings, our imperfections, our bruises, our cuts, our bleedings, our addictions, our questions, our doubts, our inconsistencies, any or all of it. To grow spiritually, we must dwell within an environment accepting us unconditionally. There are no exceptions. And it is one of the reasons I emphasize inclusion repeatedly here at Forest Park. Over and over and over again in almost every, you know, avenue that I can, whether it's social media, through sermons, through conversations, through first step class, all the time, over and over again, I talk about accepting all people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, you're welcome. You are encouraged to be part of Forest Park. Why? Because you can't grow without an environment of acceptance. If you are not accepted for who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's gone on in your life, you will never grow spiritually. It dampers spiritual growth in people's lives. Yes, we've received criticism for it. Yes, people think we are compromising. But it doesn't matter. I know people cannot grow. They cannot spiritually breathe within an environment where they feel looked down upon, where they feel ridiculed, where they feel marginalized by others within that same environment. Spiritual growth ceases when judgment begins. Now, folks, I'm not talking about challenging one another toward health or or having a conversation with your friend about dangerous practices or holding each other accountable to do the right things in a friendly environment within a community. We all need friends who challenge us to be healthy. I'm talking about a general lack of acceptance because a person fails to meet the group's standard. Most all of us know exactly what I'm talking about. Romans 15, 7. We are instructed to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Who did Christ accept? He accepted the leper, the lying, the betraying, the adulteress, the widow, the prodigal son, the poor, the sick, the wealthy, the powerful, the weak, and you and me. And you know when He did it? You know when He accepted us? While we were still sinners. Acceptance is the soil in which we must be planted to grow. So the only responsibility you have, the only responsibility you have is to immerse yourself within an environment where you are accepted for who and where you are and environments that encourage you to do the same thing for other people. So find an environment where you are accepted for who you are and that same environment encourages you to accept others. You will never grow if you don't have that kind of environment within your life. Number two, an environment of prayer. Now I wanna define prayer differently in this context. When I say an environment of prayer, I don't mean everyone is mumbling prayers with their eyes closed and bumping into walls, okay? Nor do I mean finding a place to pray all by yourself. Nor do I mean memorizing prayers and reciting them. Each of those have benefits except the bumping into walls. All the rest of that have benefits. There's a place for it in our life. In this context, however, I'm talking about prayer as a state of mind. I mean a deep awareness of God's presence. A God consciousness, if you will recognizing God in all places and in all things. I mean seeing God everywhere. It's like Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote so long ago, I love this quote by her. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. I love that. Are you one who sees God everywhere you go, or are you one who just sits around and plucks blackberries? Are you one who sees a bush of fire like Moses saw it everywhere you go, or are you one who just kind of twiddles your thumb? An environment of prayer is a deep sense of God's presence everywhere and in all things. Listen, it is seeing God in the barista, the mechanic, the teacher, the waitress, the homeless, the sick, the doctor, the lawyer, the sunrise, the gentle breeze, the quiet morning, the cup of coffee, the romantic movie, the funny joke, the children's smile, the chocolate cake, can I get an amen, the pale, the thin skin of the grandparent. It's in the song. It's at work. It's at the beach. It's at church. It's everywhere and in all things. It is knowing and responding to the reality of God oozing through every atom and molecule of the universe. When you see God everywhere you go, when you behold him in all people and in all things and you acknowledge that you are in the perfect environment for you to naturally grow. And not only acknowledging God's presence everywhere and in all things, but speaking to God everywhere, enduring all things. Psalm 89, I love this. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name. What does it say? All day long. They celebrate your righteousness. When? All day long. For you are their glory. And strength. To grow spiritually, walls attempting to separate secular from sacred's gotta fall. I want there to be little difference between the lobby and the auditorium. Oh, of course, there is a difference in the purpose of the lobby and the purpose of the auditorium, but God is no more here than He is there, and no less there than He is here. And that goes for your home, and that goes for your office, and that goes for your truck, that goes for your car, that goes for your van. And the more you and I see God in all places and respond accordingly, the more, more robust will be our spiritual growth. What's my responsibility in that, Scott? Learn to pay attention to God's presence everywhere you go and respond accordingly. See God everywhere and respond. God is with you and he is in you and you are in him when you're sitting in a drive-thru. Impossible. When you're standing in line at Walmart, when you're helping your child with homework, When you're having a conversation with your spouse, when you're sitting in church, when you're standing in the lobby, when you're at work, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you're immersed in him, he's in you, you in him, do you see it, do you recognize it, do you respond accordingly? An atmosphere, an environment of prayer. Third environment, truth. You and I will never rise above our knowledge of truth. Now, follow me very carefully. Our knowledge is our lid. The more you know, the more free you are. The less you know, the less free you are. John 8.32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Show me an environment that searches for and accepts truth, and I will show you an environment filled with spiritually mature people. Because the more you know, the freer you become. Let me give you one example, okay? 1 Corinthians 8. Here's here's an example of what I'm talking about. It's a perfect example, I think. i got to set this up a little bit because I want you to see this. Paul discusses, Paul the apostle in the New Testament, he discusses in this chapter... How some Christians could not eat the meat sold in the marketplace if it had been first offered to idols. Say, what in the world are you talking about? It was a common practice at this time for pagans to take meat and burn them in worship to idols. Like set them on fire and offer them up to these pagan idols. Then, when they were finished offering this meat up, these animals up, to these idols, they would take the meat, they would take them to the marketplace, and then the marketplace would sell the meat to people. And they would take the meat home, you know, recook it or finish cooking it or whatever, and then they would eat it. Well, many of the Christians of Paul's day refused to purchase or eat any of the meat that had been first offered to idols. Why? Because it bothered their conscience. They believed that once the meat had been offered up to an idol, it became unclean. And they believed if they ate it, they were somehow participating in idol worship. So on the surface, their refusal seems like a wonderfully godly standard to uphold. These Christians were willing not to eat any meat just so that they would stay clear, far away from the worship of idols as they possibly could. What great people of God, what great standards they uphold. But Paul says, however, that they don't eat the meat because they are holier than those who do eat the meat. Or they don't refuse to eat the meat because they're holier than those who do eat the meat, but because they lack knowledge. Paul could sit down and enjoy a steak made from the meat offered to burnt idols first, because he's not because he's a compromiser, but because he knew there was no such thing as pagan gods. So the knowledge that there are no pagan gods, so it doesn't really matter what you do with the meat first, set Paul free to enjoy a ribeye. So let me put this on the screen, and you're gonna have to think through this and work your way through it. Some of us are bound to strict religious standards, not because we're holy, but because we're ignorant. Some people follow strict religious standards, not because they're holier, because they don't know a lot. Now, the opposite of that is some of us sin, not because we're free because we're blind. So what's my responsibility in this, God? Get in an environment and stay in an environment that encourages you to pursue truth and follow it no matter where it leads. Truth will set you free. So what are the three environments we've already talked about? An environment of acceptance an environment of prayer, an environment of truth, and the last one is an environment of service. Few environments pushed my spiritual growth forward more than an environment challenging me to serve other people. I'm not sure exactly why that is. I mean, I'm going to give you some thoughts. I think I have an idea of why, but it's still just powerful. Few environments have pushed me more than an environment that constantly encourages me to serve people. I think it's because, I'll get to my my notes here in a second. This is a thought. I think it's because we are prone to become more and more self-focused. We are prone to become more and more about us for and no more, you know, my wife, my husband, my kids, and that's it. And an environment that constantly encourages you to break out of that allows the oxygen of God's presence, allows truth to come in. And then you naturally begin to grow again. Selfishness is one of those things that puts that lid on growth. It hinders growth. I heard Andy Stanley say years ago, sometimes the best thing you can do for you is something that has nothing to do with you. I remember writing that down and thought, you know what, that is so good. Sometimes the best thing you can do for you is something that has nothing to do with you. It's about other people repeatedly throughout scripture we are instructed to serve others jesus left an example to follow when he washed the feet of the disciples including one who would soon betray him and another whose betrayal would lead to his crucifixion we are instructed to give our time away our money away our knowledge away our strengths away our gifts away and in some cases even our lives away so I am to consider other people above myself. Think of people as brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, family deserving my devotion. Again, it is, it, is, it is why we encourage you here at Force Park over and over and over again. Join a team. Love other people's kids. Serve food to the hungry. Get on a jet. Fly with us to Ecuador. Fly with us to Uganda. Why? Because sometimes the best thing you can do for you it's something that has nothing to do with you. Sometimes the best thing you can do for you on a Sunday morning is to wake up and say, "Well, oh, this bed feels so good. And it's so cold outside. But you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do for me is something that has nothing to do with me. I'm going to go and I'm going to serve some other people. And it's not just here. You can do that in so many different areas outside the church. Sometimes the best thing you can do for you is to say, you know what, I would love to take this extra $50 and spend it on something I want, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it to this person. I'm going to help this child. I'm going to help this, just like Lana mentioned a moment ago about, you know, uh, paying for some, some of our students to go to winter, the winter retreat. And again, it doesn't have to be through the church. You can do it on your job. You can do it in your neighborhood. You can do it in your family. Just sometimes the best thing you can do for you is, go. you know what, it's not about me. I'm going to give something away. I'm going to serve somebody else. It's when you lose yourself, you find yourself. It's when you give your best, you receive the best. Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Free, free, free. But, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. See, this is another issue that we don't have time to get into today. And I, and I see this. A moment ago when I told you you were free, and the more you know, the more free you become, what I find is a lot of times Christians will start saying, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And then the more free they become, the more selfish they become. Wait a second, you've missed the point. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge yourself more and more. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. All the freedom you experience, you turn around and you give that freedom to other people. So what's my responsibility in this, Scott? Get in an environment where serving is premium, where you are challenged to serve and you are provided opportunities to serve, and say yes. Just say yes. So. Let me bring all that down to about 30 seconds. Say, but Scott, why don't you bring it down to 30 seconds at the beginning and we could have got out of here? You wouldn't have got your money's worth, right? You want to grow spiritually? You want to grow spiritually? Here's what, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Get yourself in an environment that accepts and welcomes you regardless of who you are or where you are. Get yourself in an environment that trains you how to perceive God in all things and in all people and teaches you to respond to his presence. Get yourself in an environment that seeks truth and follows it wherever it leads, not so you can do whatever you want, but so you can live as free as possible and bring freedom to others. And get yourself in an environment that offers you opportunities to serve others And challenge you to pursue as many as possible. And when you soak in an environment of acceptance, an environment of prayer, an environment of truth, and you soak in an environment of service, I promise you, I promise you, you will grow. We just stay out of your way and watch you grow. All the fertilizer's in there. All the nutrients are in there. Everything you need is there. You're accepted. You see God everywhere. You pursue truth no matter where it leads. And you serve those around you. You will grow. Let's pray. Father, we have complicated spiritual growth so much. We've given people all kinds of books and all kinds of manuals and given them 14 steps and all these scriptures to memorize, and there is certainly a place for more education and more knowledge. There is certainly a place for accountability and pushing one another and challenging one another. But Father, we have so complicated it. Father, we could just get into some environments where we're accepted with all our mess ups and all our junk and get into environments that I just see you everywhere. So when we leave in the morning, we stop by a coffee shop. We see you and the people sitting in that room. We see you and the people serving us coffee. We get to the office. We see you in our employer and our employees and our colleagues. We see you at school. We see you everywhere. And we respond. Father, if we just get ourselves in an environment where we just learn the truth, the truth of the gospel that sets us free, and we take that freedom and give it to other people. We get ourselves in an environment where we serve those around us. We'll grow. Because your presence is in all of that. And where you are, there is growth. Where you are, there's freedom. Where you are, there's life. Teach us to immerse ourselves in those environments and stay in them. And Father, we as leaders and staff will do everything we can to stay out of the people's way and let them grow. Thank you for challenging us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an incredible day for His part. We'll see you again soon.